Hello, and welcome to the My Leap of Faith podcast. My name is Gabrielle Genter, and I'm going to take you on my journey of living a life that felt completely inauthentic and unfulfilling, to discovering myself through the help of energy healers, shamanic practices, grounding in nature, plant medicines, and learning to trust my own intuition. This is a journey of being stripped raw to the place of knowing no thing, as it is there we are able to open our hearts to everything and create a new existence on Mother Earth. My hope is to demystify the process of becoming one with your higher self and sharing your light from that place, and I want to bring you along for the ride. Send us Hi everyone and welcome back. I just returned from I think it was nine days in Colorado and Utah and um, I'm here to share what happened, what unfolded and also to bring more clarity in my experience of being a grid worker. I've had not many, I would say a handful of times where <clears throat> Richard and I will be traveling in either in the van he just finished or in the past cars, but I will get like clear, clear knowings that this exact moment and this exact space was the whole purpose of a trip. And I've had that happen in Sedona, in um, Joshua Tree, in Utah, <laughs> and this trip kind of came out of nowhere. Richard wanted to go to Colorado for, I think it was nine days. And I knew, because here's the thing about being a grid worker, is that when some opportunity comes your way where you are being called to go into a certain land, you have to like almost like open up all of your senses and become like, you know, like put all your feelers out and like start putting the pieces together. That's the only way that, at least in my experience, that I've gotten to a place where I understand consciously why we go to certain areas. And so the signs for this trip started coming in way before the trip happened. But mainly, um, I'm going to start with a sign that came in the the place of a of a book which this book is called uh, I am the I am America Atlas and I'll link it below but I essentially I found out about this book through Zanita which uh, she I believe has a video where she talks about this book and I will also link that below and I haven't read this book, but I bought the book because it has an atlas that basically shows where our continent, and not only in the Americas, but globally, where the continents are going to eventually go. And by that, I mean, as the waters rise, where is the next evolution of our Earth space going to be land-wise? And I felt drawn to get that book mainly to see it where our land falls in, in this, this vast projection of, of time. <laughs> and I want to first say that if you guys go down this rabbit hole of getting this atlas, 
I have not felt into if this is happening in our lifetime. So I want to put that out there as uh, the first disnomer or claim. And I also believe that what I see here feels true. So is it, you know, generations from now? I don't know. But what I found in, in our land is that most of California goes underwater, except for where we are currently living. You know, I had, um, I would say a premonition kind of dream happen a couple years ago where I did see uh, water, like a tidal wave coming into what I would call where my mom lived, which was La Jolla. And I, I remembered as this was happening to tell myself, you, you know, this, you know, this already, this has already happened. So it, as time doesn't exist in a linear fashion, it felt like, yes, this land will be covered with water again. And don't, there's no reason to feel alarmed by it because wherever you are in this happening is where you wanted to be. And you know this. <laughs> so it's like, remember this. Yes, you knew this was coming. Um, but it was in that, that kind of dream premonition that I kind of had started to think about moving above sea level. And currently we live, I think it's 1800 feet above sea, sea level. Um, so that book was, that is the reason why I purchased the book, but there are these, um, these cities that are, are called, what does she call them? Golden cities. And these become the, the new kind of vortices at, in this new land creation of these new formations that happen after this kind of um, swelling of the waters happen. And in that, I knew that there was one in Colorado. And again, if you are on YouTube, I will share some images here with you guys. But when Richard said to me, we, we needed to go to Colorado for nine days, my immediate reaction, because I had just received this book was, oh, we must be going to the Golden City, we must be needed there to feel the energy there. To, I don't know what's going to happen there. But okay, we're going. So um, on this trip, <laughs> first of all, I the video that I put out last week, I had pre recorded, just in case I wouldn't didn't record on the trip. My intention was I brought my camera and all the stuff to record while we were out there. But in my own relationship with Richard, I discovered that there he doesn't understand that to do that, I need like my alone time to go in and to kind of center in myself and what needs to come through, where he had pa packed this trip like back to back to back to back, like three things a day. There was literally no time for me to go inward. And I know that that's for a reason and I'm trying to be in flow with it all. And I I didn't feel like cheated by that. I just felt like, okay, he knows where we need to move and we're moving. But that's why I didn't record out there. Um, I think in the future, if I do, it'll have to be a conversation with him to understand that we this can't be like a um, a trip of movement. It needs to be a trip of camping or staying put for a couple days, you know. But uh, the first um, morning that I woke up, we we drove out there in two days, and so the first morning he he got us to um, the Monument Valley. 
uh, for sun sunrise. And we have been there before for sunrise. So it was very special. Um, there's something about the Navajo lands that make me feel like, uh, this is how it feels like <laughs> a breath of warm air kind of enveloping me. And I feel like I've, I'm sure I've walked those lands before, um, in other lifetimes. And there's, this kind of peace that comes uh, over me there. So that was a beautiful surprise to wake up the first morning um, and to be able to experience that sunrise together. And then we moved on to Colorado. And um, wait, one other thing before I moved to Colorado is if you are ever in the Navajo um, area, pick yourself up some ghost seeds are they're, they're called ghost seeds or ghost beads and I know I've talked about these before the one that I had before um had f like I wore it over a year and in it broke so I, that was the one thing I wanted to get while I was there and um uh basically these ghost seeds are uh from the juniper tree after the berry is falls to the ground it's eaten the 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 flesh is eaten off of it um, these, I think they're ants. I'm not sure. Drill a hole and get the meat out of the seed. And then, um, these, the native American tradition is to collect these dry seeds and drill a hole in the opposite side so that you can string it onto a, a necklace or a bracelet. And essentially it's these, their protection, they're, um, a very sacred plant. And the, the Navajo people have used this, um, to ward off bad dreams to hold a bubble of light around you. And I've always, since they came into my life, I guess it would be a couple of years ago, I always feel the energy of them and I was longing to reconnect with them. So yes, I, I was able to find one and um, bring it with us. <laughs> so um, then we went to the four directions, or I think it's called the four, four no, where the four, four corners, where the four corners uh, meet, um, I think it's Arizona, uh, Utah, uh, Colorado, and oh, I don't remember. My I'm not sure what the, the fourth is. <laughs> sorry, I'll put a I'll put a picture here. Oh, sorry, it's Utah, Arizona, Colorado, New Mexico, <laughs> and um, we spent some time there, and then um, we decided to go get back on the road and go to Colorado. So in Colorado, um. First, the, I, I I don't know if I've ever mentioned this, but I actually used to live in Colorado when I was a child. So I was born in Minnesota, and I think by the age of three or four, we moved to Colorado. And I lived there between um, like three or four till seven. Seven, we moved to San Diego. So I had been and spent time in Colorado, but I didn't have really any memories of it. But the, so my first experience with being in that land is, oh my God, it's so green and lush and there's so many rivers and lakes and it's waterfalls everywhere. It just felt like <sighs> fresh, like such a beautiful um, breath of fresh air, I guess is how I would describe it because I live in, in a green area, but in general, California is a very dry, dry climate, dry vegetation. And being in and amongst green was just uh, the best feeling for me. And um, just riding down the, there was this road we went down that was called um, the Million Dollar Highway, I think. And um, 
yeah, it has like so many stops along the way that you can get off. And it's like this very tiny, tiny like road that weaves through the the mountains. And there's this beautiful um, uh, waterfall that had a rainbow and it was just um, amazing. And so the first two days were about just driving out there. So nothing really exciting to report. But then we get to our third day and this is where the magic started to unfold. So um, Richard, like I said, he likes to plan uh, our what we what are, what we do in a day, and and he has this website called Atlas Obscura. And if you've ever if you're ever taking a road trip, consult this website because it will show you the kind of off the beaten path things to do or things to experience. And so when he comes up with these random things, this is where he's getting them. So the first thing that we woke up and we wanted to do was to go to this place called um, the Creststone Ziggurat. And I was like, what is that? He's like, well, you read about it while we're on our way. So it turns out it is this, <laughs> I don't even, I want to call it a monument. I'm going to call it a monument. Um, and it is uh, like from the Buddhist tradition, but it's a monument that's out there in the middle of the desert, nowhere. We had to, you know, take a dirt road to get there. And it's a golden spiral. And um, again, if you're on YouTube, I'm sharing video with you guys. It's just this spiral in the middle of nothing. And I was like, oh my God, he doesn't even, I'm telling you guys, he doesn't know that I, the video last week was called the spiral. So he doesn't know anything about the spiral. He just knows that we're going there. So we get, and we start walking up the spiral. And as you guys know from last week, of course, it's going in a counterclockwise, counterclockwise motion, the spiral. And it goes around and around until you get to the top and up there is just like wind. There's so much wind moving through this deserty land and bees were up there, which I have a connection now with the bees and becoming a beekeeper, which I'm actually ordering um, the starter kit today. So I am looking forward to being a host for bees. But I had this feeling of like... Um, centeredness come in. So so we had taken those two days to get to Colorado. And in this spiral of a monument, uh, I felt like it's time to find regroup, find your center. So Richard like understood that I wanted to stay up there for a while. And he went down and I think he took some pictures. And then I I came down the spiral and I was walking around the land around it and I started collecting rocks and, and really felt the call to create an earth altar there and connect deeper with the, the earth, with the spiral, right? Like there's this energy that if you let it kind of take over your body, it just wants to come down. Like if we keep that energy like up in the ethers, it's like, you know, okay, I can speak it, but to ground it in, it needs to come through me into the earth. So I created an earth altar and just spent time like connecting with the energy of the land. And, um, how do I say this? Uh, I knew that at this point, this was the beginning of the journey of this whole purpose of why we're in Colorado. 
And I, I, I don't always talk like this to Richard, but he knows. Like he knows without me saying it because he understands that if I take time to really ground into a, a, a situation or a location, then he just kind of lets me have my space. Um, then there was the there were these cactuses that were in bloom that had flowers, and I had just done um, a star seed essence um, consultation where. It's hard to explain. Basically, it's using the flower essences to help you in the path that you're currently, you know, traversing and what you need to work on. And I had literally, the day before we left, received the box of my combination essences to take with me. And this cactus that that's blooming there is one of the essences that I intuitively knew that I needed. So I knew, okay, this is, everything is a sign, right? Like this essence is in my, in my combo of my, what I'm ingesting. And here it is in manifestation. And it's like, just like, it's those moments that you realize that literally the vessel or the mind have no place in the in the game and you just are on this journey. You just have to step aside and let the journey unfold for you. And I kind of, I, I've definitely felt it the first there at the spiral. So then um, we were going to go to the, the sand dunes and on the way to the sand dunes was uh, a UFO watchtower and it's a uh, another deserty land that Apparently there, there's a campground, you can camp there and watch the stars at night and, and do um, contact, uh, you know, invocations. And so we stopped there and went through the little museum. And there's a garden outside of this museum that um, has like all of this collection of, I, I would call it junk because I don't know what else to call it, but just like random tchotchke things, but all set up like in a garden kind of landscape. It's bizarre. And I'm like out there thinking like, what, what is this stuff? I have no idea. Like, where did this collection of anyone else would call it garbage? Some of it's like from the eighties, some of it's from like the nineties, like all, I mean, you would imagine like there would be like a mixtape there or I mean, literally anything you can think of, there it was there. And I remember leaving there thinking like, what is this about? So then we go to the sand dunes and um, we went through this, this movie about the sand dunes and how they're created. And um, essentially it's a, it's this ecosystem and this is why it's a national park. It's this ecosystem that has water because the, the, this the snow melts and goes into this valley and pushes in this these water sediments. So you have water, then you have earth, which is the sand dunes. The wind that it takes to create the sand dunes is intense there, man. Like I I was like standing there and it was like literally blowing me over. That's how sand, how like intense the wind was. And then you have fire because the sun is burning bright, like intense. So we we go through the water element. I mean, we hiked like a little bit of the ways and I, we didn't, we both wore sandals because we were going, we knew it was water. But Richard wants to hike up the doom and I'm like, I'm going to sit here and just like connect because I, I don't know. I felt like something is here for me. So I sit down and okay, like the wind is like going so crazy. The sand is literally covering my entire vessel in my ears, in my mouth, like everywhere. 
But I sit down while, and he goes on hiking and I just like sat with the energy of the wind. And if you remember back um, in the episode that I did called Third Eye Sensory Journey, I talked about being in the wind while we were in the van and it felt like a time capsule. And what I felt from that element back then is wind is like such a powerful force. But think about this, like when do we ever just sit with it? Like, uh, and what I mean by natural wind, not like when you're in a car and you like stick your head out the window. I mean, like where the wind is talking to you and teaching you. And I just sat there and just let that, the sand just literally cover me, like cover me from head to toe, like all over. I was just in it. I didn't care. And I just breathed it. And just like when, when a huge gust would come, I would like pull up my, my little, my, uh, jacket and try to, you know, shield myself from the, the, like beating me up. But I, I knew that something was coming again, because you have this, when an element shows itself to you in such a powerful, intense way, it's like, can you stop and listen? So I just sat there while he hiked up there. And, and when he came back, I was, then I walked over to the water and I was just standing in the water as the wind was blowing like from behind me and just blowing the, the water and the sand all together. And it's just like a huge, uh, I don't even know what to s- describe it as. Um, and I didn't bring my phone. So whatever photos I insert here are from Richard, cause he took his phone with and I, I remember feeling like that was like a, a, a sacred moment. I don't even know what just happened there. So that night we end up finding this land um, to camp on, which if you are ever in a, a van life situation, BLM, the Bureau of Land Management, <laughs> uh has lands everywhere and you can camp for free. So we always are looking for BLM land. And the one that we found, I mean, literally the most majestic land, there's like not a person in sight. We watch the sunset and I'm just sitting out there like kind of regrouping because this is the thing. We don't realize like every day the things that come into your experience are all part of your journey. Like we just write them off as like, oh, coincidence, or I don't know what that was about, but whatever. And you just put it to the your subconscious, you let it go, right? But in this day, I knew I want to know what what happened today. Like why what why did we have these experiences? Which were the spiral, the alien uh, watchtower, and the dunes. So what I was shown is the first thing was the spiral was the cleansing and bringing me back to my center and, and also like picking up energy from all the people that have worshiped there before. It felt like this kind of like spiritual bath. And then we went by the UFO, uh, situation because the thing that I found the most curious, which was all the the junk outside Sure enough, where we camped, there was not a soul in sight, like literally no one around. And it was like pristine land, like not nothing around except for where we park. There was like uh, five pieces of like random garbage, like I would call it garbage, but it was like um, an air freshener, uh, a spice bottle. Um, I don't even know. I, I like I, I literally like labeled I spoke them out to Richard so he would see what I was talking about. And I said, I think these are things that come when there are 
aliens around, meaning like that garden that I saw of all of the stuff in the, the UFO watchtower garden, uh, they're all pieces that are collected from, I don't know if, if the, the extraterrestrials bring this to down or they are like their offerings, but it felt like that, like some kind of random offering. And as I look around and I'm like, okay, that's weird. This is like the garden came to us. <laughs> and then I'm like chilling there. And again, I'll put a picture because Richard did take a picture of me sitting out there watching the sunset. And all of a sudden I felt these um, beings like almost like form a circle around me. And it's not like I'm saying I could clearly see the beings. It felt more like energetically I could see the beings like, you know, very clearly in, in, um, singled out as individual energies. And I, and then they said, see, okay. So as a grid worker, (laughs) this other thing, um, these moments that I've experienced this, like, like I said, it's almost like a GPS tracker to get you to a very specific point. And, and when that happens, in this case, I'm sitting there, all of a sudden they're like, this is why you came here. You're sitting here, you're getting um, like adjustments and attunements. And then they set, showed me how the, the spiral was the spiritual bath. The, um, the, the UFO watchtower was to show us that they were there. And then the dunes were, they wanted me to be bathed in every element before this, this attunement happened, which I was like, how did, cause at the time I was like, what do you mean? We just were in the sand. And they were like, no, no, no. You had the water you bathed in. You had the earth you literally bathed in. And we were in the van. So it's not like I can shower out all the sand. That's like, you know, drenching my skull. It's like literally caked in my ears. Like I was in it. And then you have the the wind and the wind was such an intensity and then the sun and I, and they said like you literally the body needed to be cleansed by each element where the spiral was the ether and then the the dunes were the the four other elements so that you would be prepared to receive this attunement and I was just like, okay, all right. And 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 sometimes when I'm in these states and this happens, I always think like, but why? Why me? Why why did all of this conspire for this moment to happen? And why, you know, like my ego thinks, oh, you're just making this up, or oh, you know, and and I try when that happens, because I feel like I'm making it all about me, you know. Um I try to like take the step back and say, so what? Even if I, if my mind is creating this, does it matter? This, all of these things happened and does it matter how or why they happen? Can I just be present instead of like going into the van and like, let's say watching uh, Netflix, which <laughs> Richard does have hooked up in the van. <laughs> Can you just be in it? Can you like be present in it? And I'm like, okay. So I just sat there and literally did not move until the sun went down. And I just wanted to be present with what was. And and the thing is too, and this is why I haven't really discussed this before. When I when this happened in Sedona, again, it would have been a few, I don't know, four months ago, maybe longer. What I felt was it's happening regardless of if we're conscious of it or not. So 
what I felt in Sedona was I was present for it for about, I don't know, an hour. And then they said, okay, now you can go back and hang out with Richard. You're, you don't need to be here for this. whole. It's going to be going on all night. You can go back up, basically go back to being human. And I felt just really deflated, defeated and not defeated, uh, deflated in a way. Cause to me, isn't the goal to be present and to be conscious for this stuff. And they said, it's not necessary. Like we cannot, at all be conscious for most of this stuff because it happens mainly in our sleep but when we're out out on the road it can happen and we can become conscious in moments of it but it's not like we need to be present and um uh like i said conscious i don't know how else to describe it and i i had to in that moment even though i felt like sad about it i felt like can I just let that be, you know, can I just pull back from my ego wanting to be present in all of it and just let go and just be present for what I'm needed to be present for. So that's why I didn't talk about it back then, because I kind of felt like um, just disheartened, like, look, this work is happening regardless if we know it or not. It is happening. These vessels are not ours. Like, it is literally work is being done through them. So anyways, yeah. So then as that went on that night, I was able to be conscious for longer of it, but then it was like, okay, now just go back, go to sleep. It's okay. And as I went to sleep and I woke up during the night, I forget why, um, my body was shaking. Now this has happened to me multiple times in my own bed, it doesn't, I mean, it, it happens pretty regularly. And I always have felt like intuitively what's happening is I'm coming back from being uh, extended from my body, coming back into the vessel. And there's like this kind of turbulence that happens. It, it feels like an earthquake. And when I it started for me a couple of years ago, I actually was like, wait, did we just have an earthquake? But then I realized, no, it's you that's quaking. <laughs> and um I, uh, I know that now, but what's happening when you wake up and you feel like you're in an earthquake, it's because your body's going through an upgrade or a, um, activation and you, you are becoming conscious of the activation. So in my experience, I just kind of like, if I wake up, that means they want me to be conscious of it. So I, I'm in it and I just hold my, my heart and usually my sacral, um, and just breathe into it and allow because essentially what I have discovered in the past that when it's become painful in my ninth chakra, it's because I'm not allowing that openness to move through. So when I wake up in the middle of it, I just try to center and just allow the energy to move through. Um, and yes, so, so that happened that night. So I knew, okay, yes, work is still going on. <laughs> definitely. And um, I want to I think I'm going to read this now. So when I came home, I uh, a couple of things happened and um, I'm going to weave them in because as you know, the signs that we get to kind of reconfirm what's happening in our experience is uh, they're like the, the check marks, like you did it. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. But I happened to be reading the Angelic Pearls 144 book yesterday uh, for the third time. And I'm telling you guys, 
this is my third reading. I've highlighted it. I've talked about it. And still, it feels like each time I go into this book, it is speaking to where I have evolved from from the last time that I wrote it. So new things pop out to me and new experiences. And I'm going to read this particular passage to you guys. It's um, Pearl Code at, uh, 144, The Mind. Over many lifetimes, you upgrade, just like the computer has during the duration of your current life cycle. The computer becomes less dense, yet with the capacity to hold more memory. It can move at a faster speed, just like how the internet has become. Think of how communication started with a messenger delivering messages on horseback. And now with a simple phone device, at one click of a button, you can send it across the world. This is how one can communicate with thy higher bodies. The signals in the brain can receive faster currents of light, those plasma electric shockwaves holding pockets of information. Therefore, during the night when your body is resting, you get body shocks. What is happening is your higher light spark is sending signals into the brain. This signal can be information, upgrades to DNA, or simply a slight alignment of your energy field. All of these are always for your highest good and only happen as your soul permits what is needed at that time for growth. Once the merging has occurred, the reconnecting and plugging in of the air spirit and into the earth matter can ignite again. This is the meaning of coming back online, the state where there is no need for storage in the physical brain. All is encoded within the strands of DNA, hence why it is a multidimensional. Like a computer indexes files, so do the webs of DNA that, lay, that lays among all of existence. The physical brain puts off EMFs, electromagnetic field, per it simply is a generator. The pearl in the back of the brain acts as a receiver, just like the RNA in the body. Then the brain translates like a telegram operator to then relay the messages into the fields of matter. As you go up in density, this will occur at a faster pace, causing the brain to become less physical with each stage you pass. At the stage of all-knowing, you become simply light. So as I read this yesterday, what stood out to me the most was the, the plugging in of air spirit into earth matter because this trip although it was just starting i already knew the air the wind was a huge uh part of the journey and as we move through the next days it became more and more apparent to me and earth being matter was like the the second kind of iteration that was coming and uh, I'm going to share that download in in a few days <laughs> I mean in a few days I'm gonna keep going so then day four okay day four um again Richard came up with this thing that we were gonna do which was called uh, Bishop's Castle and this was this man who bought this piece of land in Colorado and um he basically for a hundred dollars or no, a couple hundred dollars when he was 15 years old. And he spends his life like building a ho first house there. It was just a one room house, but 
everybody kept teasing him and saying, oh, what are you going to build there, a castle? And he said, well, I have all the rocks in my land to do it, so I'm just going to keep building. So he ends up building a castle. And this thing is like, he had was no engineer. He was no builder. I think he worked at a, a, a welding company. So a lot of it is literally, you know, like, patio furniture that's like welded from iron it looks like that like the stairways and everything are all like creaky see-through wrought iron stuff but as I get into this thing oh and before you can get into this thing it's like you you are waiving your rights to anything as you step past this threshold if anything happens you you know we're not held responsible now the reason is because literally this thing is not up to code he used no permits People have died there. It's very, uh, very unstable. And um, yeah, so you'll see if you're watching YouTube, I'll show you the pictures. But as Richard decides to climb to the top of these steeples, I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, I am not, not doing it. So I sit down in kind of this main, main room, which is surrounded by all of this glass. And um, even the the ceiling has a, a skylight. And as I'm sitting there facing these windows, what should appear to me, but Merlin, um, there is a, uh, what do you call that? Um, a window glass paint painting of Merlin. And I'm sitting there like, okay, so this person was connected. And so then what, what is the message? Why are we here? You know? And I'm like, like sitting there and I I have a picture Richard took of me sitting there looking at Merlin (laughs) And I'm just like, this is like the most bizarre situation. So then we go outside and I'm sitting um, on the ground looking up at the castle and there's a dragon right where Merlin is on the inside. The outside is the dragon (laughs) um, for the building, like for the castle. And I'm like, okay. Because I think I talked about this in the last episodes where dragons are becoming way more prominent in my experience and I know that they are here for protection and so whenever I encounter a dragon I feel like it's another like a step on the path to knowing that I'm going in the right direction so as I sat here and saw Merlin and the dragon I was like okay okay so then we go to um this suspension bridge which um I don't, what, I don't even remember what it was called. Oh, uh, sorry, no. That day, I, I'm going back over Richard's posts about it because he's very clear about it. So, um, yeah, that day we went to the, sus- the suspension bridge, which is the highest sus- suspension bridge in the whole world over this deep canyon. And as you can imagine, the wind is insane. So insane that they have a gondola that goes between each side and that was closed for the day. But again, I know, okay, the wind is following us. Let's just move through this experience and it's like the, the it's a suspension bridge so as you're walking across it it's like literally moving with you in the wind very strange but on our way to that bridge we pat like as the, we turned in to go to it <coughs> there's this store that says rock it's like a rock store okay like a crystal store but outside they have I don't even know maybe 50 bins of raw crystals and stones outside that I as we drive by I'm like we're going back there we're going back there (laughs) 
because <laughs> I need those stones. So we get there. Richard goes in and he's like, I'm going to just let you do your thing. I'll be in the car. And I'm like, okay. So I look through the store and it's a beautiful crystal shop, but I wasn't there for those. I knew that what I needed was outside. So I go outside and I'm going to put video in here of what this magic will look like. I've never seen so many raw stones and crystals in one spot. So I'm walking around and the first stone that I pick up is, uh, um, is a sunstone. And I feel like this is definitely coming home with me. <laughs> and then, um, as we're moving, as I'm moving, we're, as I'm moving around, I get to this table that says, um, I think it says glass rocks. Now, if you have, uh, red angelic pearls 144 <laughs> this is the next thing i'm gonna read to you guys because um there's been this whole kind of debate that came up after we read this book in the energy circle around is it just glass or is it an andara so in i'm gonna read to you what um zanita channeled about the andara Okay. In ancient Egypt, the offering seen in the hieroglyphs of smaller triangle inside of a larger triangle uh, represents the monadic white powder. This is sodium chloride needed to stabilize DNA. The white powder from an Andara stone is diamond light from the central sun materialized. While crystals alone are not are wait while crystals alone are a materialized form from the planetary neurotransmitter, when one holds an Andara stone, they can immediately feel a vibration in their body. This is because the monoatomic white powder holds the diamond codes needed to upgrade one's DNA. Once the fall in vibration started in ancient times of Egypt, they needed a way to reach those higher aspects of themselves. This is when Oramus or shoebread was injected into the vessel, which temporarily raised the vibrational field of the body. So um, I have friends that are taking Oramus right now in an attempt to understand what that vibration feels like. And I also have a friend that had purchased two Andaras um, online and had them shipped to her house. Now, me personally, after reading this book, I was like definitely connecting and I almost bought a pendant of an Andara. But the day that I went to go purchase it, it had already sold. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take that as it's not time for me in the Andara or the Andara is going to come to me when it's time to come to me. Well, as I move around this outdoor oasis of stones and crystals, I get to this table and there are a zillion of these Andaras and I'm just like, oh my God. So it's a lot of energy. It felt like a lot of energy. And I, I took a video, I will put it in here. Um, and then I mean, how do you pick one? I just had to like, uh, sit with it. I think it's insane, but I believe that they were either six or eight dollars a pound. But when you don't have a scale near you, you're like, how much is a pound? I have no idea. So instead of thinking about like, I wanted the biggest one, but instead of thinking that way, I just went around and felt into each one. I went around the tables a few times and really felt into which ones were calling me. And so the first one I have is this um, Aqua Andara. Now, 
I am still um, communing with this stone. Um, what happens, and I, I did share this with Zanita and told her that I happened upon this table of uh, a zillion Andaras, and we started talking about it, and I told her how they called them just glass rocks, and she was like, Wait, watch. Does, she goes, lick your finger, touch it. Does it taste like salt to you? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> That's Andara. She said, these stones soak up this the um the central sun's energy and are constantly giving off that that um oramus or that shoe bread which is the and i don't know if you guys can see it but there's like a powdery white substance that comes off of it so then i said oh it's it's like a a salt lamp because my salt lamp which i have sitting over here it does the same thing it gives off a salt so she said put it by your bed and just absorb the energies while you're sleeping. So I wrapped it in a little blanket and I put it, because we were still in the van, so I put it right by my head. <laughs> and so this Andara stayed with me the entire trip. Now, the, there was another Andara that was calling to me as well. And before I, I show it to you guys, I, I knew, so my friend that purchased the Andaras, she, she purchased a green one. And she brought it to um, when she came for a visit recently. And so I had held that Andara. And again, I I don't, I feel like if if these crystals are meant for us, they're going to come to us. Like, it, like in the case of her, she knew after reading that passage in the book that Andara was for her and she found her Andaras. Like she knew, which I didn't get that call until that day when they were in front of me. But this one came in and I knew when I saw it and felt it that it was for me as well. But what I felt from this one was this one was, um, it felt like a sorcerer energy. It felt like Merlin. It felt like the dragon. It felt like the reason we went to Bishop's castle. And I, I knew that this energy, whether if it is what I'm here to express in this lifetime or not, it is a part of me. And I felt like it was like coming home to me. <laughs> and um, so this is my other friend. And I want to just say, um, if these Andaras are meant for you, I believe that you will have this intense knowing that it's time for it to bring it into your life. Like I said, it had been at least a month or so and I didn't purchase one. I was like, mm, I, it's not time for me. It's not, I'm not there yet. And then magically they all appeared. And I felt like, again, everything happens exactly in the timing that it's supposed to. So I, I was just so ecstatic and in love with this experience and of course Richard's in the van and he doesn't care <laughs> but I, I unpacked them all and showed him all of them and he was like oh wow okay <laughs> so then um from there we went to Boulder Colorado which um is where I lived when I uh was a child and here, um, my mom had given us like some indication of where we used to live. And, um, so we were trying to find it and, um, we pulled into a parking lot. It was an apartment complex and it wasn't, I knew it wasn't the right co apartment complex, but, and I didn't know, I mean, I was three, so am I really going to remember? Who knows? So I, um, as we're driving into this one complex and I told him, no, this doesn't feel right. 
But I look over the over the fence and I knew it. The second that I saw it, the next one over, I was like, oh, that's it. And I know which apartment it was. And I know exactly because I had this memory come back. So there was something definitely tied to me going back there to Boulder and, and, and kind of reliving this experience of me being a child there. And I don't yet, I haven't incorporated what that means. Almost it feels like um, gathering back a fractal of myself because the memory that came up, and this is going to sound crazy, but I think I was four, okay? And at the time, my mom smoked cigarettes. And I remember as a child, we were standing in the parking lot, me and my local little friends that I hung out with. And someone was leaving the complex, took like was smoking a cigarette and threw it out the window lit. And it was like half, um, like still half, half there. And my friends were like, oh, go get it, go get it. Cause you know, we don't know what it is. And we, we, my mom had it. So I was like, okay. So I walk over there, I pick it up and I went, and to this day, that was the only puff of a cigarette I've ever had in my life because I was like, ah! and I started like coughing and I threw it down. And because of that experience, I never smoked in my life. But that's the memory that came back. So I feel like there's uh, there was a part of me that needed to remember that that innocence, that like um, pure like wonder of the world and what is happening, you know, who, who are these people? Like, what is my mom smoking on? You know? Um, so that was, uh, an, uh, I don't know, a trip down, I guess, memory lane that felt like it needed to be reincorporated. So then, um, we went to up to, um, uh, the Rocky national forest or park. And this experience was, also magical and different because you have to have a, a timed entry to get in there because it's so backed up and so overcrowded and flooded and whatever. But we, if you get in after six o'clock, the rangers are gone and anyone can get in. So we went in the first time after six o'clock and, and walked around one of the lakes and just like, I don't know how to how to say this, but like got the first experience of the Rockies. Now I'm going to tell you that this is where earth comes in. I didn't know. I don't, I mean, I never had looked into how are the, how are the Rockies even formed, but essentially what happened is that the, the crust uh, from the ocean where the top, the, the plates are, has been pushing up against the mantle and so much so that it went under the mantle and kind of like was doing this, like pushing through the continent like this. And as that, like that force is being pushed through the continent, what happened is it created these like bubble formations of granite to come up into the surface and become mountains. So the Rocky Mountains are all granite and they are, at least from what I can understand, the the, the stones that they're made out of are granite that are from 1.7 billion years ago. So what I understood is that all of this majestic mountainy stuff that we're seeing is actually ancient rocks. And so I love rocks. So I'm collecting as we're walking. And if I felt like some kind of energy moved through me, I would look down and there would be the perfect rock for me to pick up. And, and I realized that, oh, this is why we're here. And I, and I kind of started, it started forming in me, but I wasn't like a hundred percent certain, you know, it was like this kind of, um, 
how do I say it? Like, I, like I'm nearsighted, so it's like it's far away, and I know kind of what it is, but I'm still not sure what it is or what it says. But I can feel like there's some deep, deep remembering happening here. And um, so that that night we ended up having to leave the park to sleep in the van because we're not allowed to stay in the park uh, without a permit. And so then we came, Richard got up at 4 a.m. and drove us back to the same spot so that we could do some of the hikes that were from that area. And the elevation is so high. I think it was it's like up to 12,000 feet above sea level. So like in all of these hikes are straight up, basically. So we would take like, I don't know, 30 steps and we would need to rest because you can't like it felt like you cannot catch your breath. And it was remembrance of there's times in the medicine, whether it be ayahuasca or even for me, cannabis or mushrooms where you get to this place where you can't catch your breath and I remember and I tell Richard just breathe just breathe (laughs) and it felt like that like there were times where I just had to like recenter myself and breathe in this air because it's so pure that it's like can your lungs even hold it and so I'm like, we just kept stopping, but we're like, we're going to go, we're going to keep going. And it wasn't easy, but we got up to the, the, the top and saw the different lakes. There was a, one called Dream Lake, one called Emerald Lake. And it was just, uh, I mean, I, I don't know how to describe it other than m- magical because the air is like um, from another planet the the greens and the lushness is just something that you feel like in awe to be a part of. And I could feel that like the whole time that we were there, I felt just like this momentary, like uncomfortableness of hiking is just that it's just, it's just this one like thing that the, the vessel needs to move past in order to feel everything. And then once you can open up and, and receive it, it's like, it felt like, being in kind of like in a cradle. I don't know how, how else to say it. it. It's like, maybe it's like going back to the beginning times. That, that kind of is what it felt like. It's like this energy that is pure. And even though, you know, we're passing people on the trail, none of them came into our experience. It was very like siloed. And, and even if we said good morning or whatever, it was very like our own bubble of energy moving through these lands and like experiencing them. So, um, yeah, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. So then that day we also decided to do this kind of tour guided, uh, audio book th- while sitting in the car, driving through the entire park. And this park goes from, I think it's like 8,000 square feet up to 12,000, not square feet, 8,000 feet above sea level to 12,000 feet above sea level. And you move through these different um, climates. So when we start climbing in the car, it starts p- snow first pouring, well, first wind, then pouring, then snowing, then hail, then sleeting. And it's like, holy crap, are we going to make it? because there's like no I'll put a video in there it's like this narrow road and we're like riding rounding the corner it's like blowing the van the van's super tall so it's like 
you know, uh, it felt again, we're in the elements. And it was just uh, a beautiful, majestic experience. So then we had to leave the park. And in this, um, the reason is because I uh, we booked this tour to go to the Stanley Hotel, which the Stanley Hotel is, they say, where The Shining was uh, filmed and is the most haunted hotel in, I don't know, America. So, of course, I want to go. And um, we go there and we book this tour, just a historical tour. And um, as we got there, uh, we got there a little early because everything else was sold out. But we wanted to see the Shining tour. That was the whole reason we wanted to go. And the the tour guide was like, oh, I can get you guys in. Um, You do this one and then you can do that one right after. So we start going through this tour. And, I mean, there's like... They have different ghost stories and stuff, but the the point is when um, the person that built that hotel back in, I think it was 1907 is when the construction started, it was this man named F.O. Stanley, and he was from the East Coast, and he and his brother invented many things. They had an automobile. They invented the um, flash photography, or not flash, uh, photography where, you know, like in the olden times, people would have to sit for 45 minutes. They said that that um, the brother created this method where it would take 30 seconds to create a a photograph, which meant that they were making so much money. In modern times, it was like $3 million a month. So this is where the wealth came for this man to build this, this hotel. But what happened is he had tuberculosis for the third time. And his doctor said, you only have like six months to live, you should go to Colorado. And at least like, try to breathe in the fresh air there and maybe, you know, you'll feel better. So it turns out that they go to this, um, uh, this part of Colorado called Estes, which is at the base of the Rocky mountains. And he loves it so much. His wife loves it so much. He starts feeling better. He starts hiking and he ends up living 37 more years. That's how he clear his lungs were able to get because the air there is just out of this world, basically. (laughs) And, um, yeah, so then he builds this hotel. He builds like, uh, um, an opera house, uh, another hotel for the single males. He, I mean, he has a garden maze, like all these different properties and they had a a lovely life there and and nothing bad happened. But over the years, you know, it was like a huge attraction for the town. So there were many people that took their jobs very seriously and they come back and haunt the property, uh, basically because they have so much love for it. Um, so the, the staff were like showing, you know, different photos of it and, 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 um, like they were pretty creepy. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. There were uh, many photos of like children playing, but they're not quite human, but you can kind of see through them. And um, it was an interesting, definitely cool thing to experience. But um, yeah, that made me, it made it really a confirmation that these higher altitudes definitely bring in healing. And I definitely felt that. So Then after that, we decided to, uh, we were going to, what are we going to do? Because like Richard said, this is all the things that I had planned for, um, for Colorado. So we decided to go back home through Utah. So I wanted to go back to this area, um, 
in Utah, which we had never visited before. It's the Canyonlands National Park. And there's this crater that they say was either a meteorite or a salt uh, dome that created this crater into the, the lands there. And um, again, wind, the wind is forming these rocks, like it is like relentless wind. And I, I felt like we are supposed to be here. I'm not exactly sure why, but I definitely know that this was part of this experience. So that night we found in, in Moab, uh, again, some BLM land that we were able to park and watch the sunset. And as I'm watching the sunset, Richard took some photos of me, so I'll show you guys what was happening physically. But I was talking to the the formations and the rocks, and they basically showed me that this whole trip was about reconnecting with these ancient masters. And that in Colorado, they were above the land, and in Utah, they were below the land and literally were carved into the land where the the ones in, in Colorado were like pushed up so that we could talk to them that way. And all of a sudden, all of these faces came out and they felt like this kind of transmission of just allowing that their knowledge to be reminded in my body. And I'm I'm like sitting there and I'm telling Richard, do you see that dragon? Do you? He's like, where, where? Show me. And I'm like pointing and I'm like, right there, right there. That's the eyes. That's it. And he's like, I don't see it. And I just felt like this, this accumulation of wind and earth. And it was like, thank you, you know, thank me, thank you for helping me see that in, in, what would I say? Like in our normal everyday experiences, you know, our minds are bringing us from place to place to place. I have to do this, this, this. But in this trip, I had, I could do nothing but to be at the, the surrender of the van and where it's driving and then being present for seeing what I was seeing and then bringing it into me and feeling it and knowing that we are not here alone, man. Like these lands and these formations of stones have all come up at this time in this way because they want to be here too. And they're, they're like basically saying that if we think that we're going to be the ones doing this ascension, it was basically earth showing me that no, we've got like, we've got this covered. (laughs) And we as humans are kind of like, uh, in the stands watching, but you can be a part of the experience too. And can you feel into, into these ancient stones and, and see, and, and like understand all that they've seen, you know, um, that was like the main uh, message is that the wisdom that's held in this land and in, uh, I mean, just earth in general, but when you can see it like in front of your face like this, can you really breathe it in and just be a part of it and be like one with the flow of the wind instead of like, you know, this kind of like frigid, ah, I don't know what's happening. So I'm uncomfortable with it. And can you be like the wind and just move with all force through it? That's how it, it felt. It was just like, a whoosh. And then um, we ended up going to this thing called Hole 
in the rock, which is this this couple made a 5,000 square foot home out, out of a rock, in a rock. And it's super interesting and cool. Then we were driving, we decided we're going to stop in Sedona for the night and then drive home the next day. But we get to Sedona and the temperature was 106 degrees and it was still pretty much like sunny. I think it was like two o'clock. So uh, we knew like we're not getting out of the van and we might as well just let's just drive until, you know, maybe it cools down or the, the sun goes down and it's easier to digest this weather. But it didn't. So we drove all the way to Yuma, which is like, I don't know, um, maybe six, no, I would say four hours, maybe five hours. And the sun started setting and um, it still was like the intensity of the heat there is just like, nope, get back in the van. Like we stopped for dinner and then it was like, get back in the van and get home. And I, and I kind of was like curious about that because we still had two days that we could be out there. And so I, I had brought a deck with me of Oracle deck, which is the Beyond Lemuria uh, Oracle cards. And I bring, bring this one because they're a little pocket size and it's easy for me to, you know, get the message. So the card that, that jumps right out at me, because I the question I ask is, <coughs> excuse me, um, what was this trip for? Even though I, I have all these ideas, you know, I have all these things that are coming to me. I know it was an activation. I know that I was communing with these ancient rocks. I know that the wind was a huge, important role. Like what, why? So the card that I pulled is Earth Star Chakra Initiation. You are standing at the gateway into the unknown with trust in your heart, ancient remembering in your soul, and inner illumination to light the way. You have access to the seat of creation, the spark of existence, and the codes that hold the blueprint of who and what we are. This place is clear and grounded. Despite moving through multidimensional realms and able to bridge worlds while functioning in physical reality, the higher you reach for divine, the realms of spirit, the more important it is to anchor deeply into the earth. And I was like... <laughs> Of course, of course. And the earth star chakra is our 12th chakra. So what this summed up for me is that I have been trying so hard to bring down information in this kind of feeling that felt like not in flow. Like if I'm honest, flow, when it happens, it's not work at all. It just pours right through you. So I've been sitting here and trying so hard to bring through th ideas and concepts and ways that I can explain them that make them relatable and understandable. And yet I feel like it's been coming from my mind. Like I, I don't understand why it's not just flowing. And this card showed me it, I have to connect to the ancient knowledge for it to come through me, not from me. <laughs> and it, it's like the perfect summary of this entire experience was if, if I am fully embodied, which I know I am, is what I'm doing enough? Is, is being me enough? Like, can we get to this place where, that each uh, stage on the, the journey is enough? 
And I'm, I know that's such a hard thing to even think about because there's always more. There's always like the next, the best, the, you know, whatever, the thing that we're striving towards. But this this trip really showed me that because nine days in the middle of what I'm trying to do, whether if it's working on a new website or class content or whatever, leaving for nine days felt like, really? Why? And they were, they basically are saying that you need to learn that it's enough. Like it's enough. You need to nurture yourself and then you can push out and give out information in flow. And what the funny thing is, is like being with the wind. It literally is riding the wind and understanding that that part of it is the embodiment part. To me, in the courses that I'm creating, when we get to air, it is called embody. Because once you are embodied, you literally are the air. You are it. Like there is nothing else. And this kind of dance between the air and the earth, this whole period was like understanding that you can't be just air. You have to bring it down to the earth and feel it and feel the the deep codes that need that um activation from the air you know like it like if I think about the dunes and how the the sand moved over the dunes it's literally a dance like if you I I remember there was this movie and I think it's called um I don't remember where but they showed this bag uh, a grocery bag just like being caught up in the wind and it was just this dance of this grocery bag moving in with the wind you know it's like this juxtaposition it's garbage but yet it's a beautiful dance, right? It's this like, once you are embodied, can you just flow and let what is be and move through you? And uh, that is everything, right? So I know this is a long episode already. And I, I just want to say that wherever your adventures take you this summer, oh, enjoy it witness all of it soak it all in because wherever you're being called to it's part of your grid working it literally is not only us being the vessel for energy to move through but also to be in those exact places and moments and time to activate ourselves to remember deeper knowings and understandings and understanding that yeah i mean we are here to be many things but the number one is in flow and it's the wind so um thank you guys for listening and i will talk to you next week but your flight weaves the membranes of our step so we give our voices so we give our voices to the ones who've left us so we give our voices to the ones who cry in silence so we give our voices so we give our voices to the ones whose speeches running on the soil beneath so we give our voices so we give our voices to the ones who left us so we give our voices to the ones who cry in silence so we give our voices so Beaches running out of soil beneath Subtle as your flutter beat Long beat, run beat Hum Hum
Hello and welcome to Mystery School Moments. So what I want to share with you guys is from that book, I Am America, the I Am America Atlas by Lori Adele Toy. And um, what I'm going to share with you is what a golden city vortex is. <coughs> the golden city vortices based on the Ascended Masters I Am America material are prophesied areas of safety and spiritual energies during the times of changes. Covering an expansive land and air space, these sacred energy sites span more than 400 kilometers or 270 miles in diameter. With a, vor with a vertical height of 4, 400 kilometers, 250 miles, more importantly, the Golden City vortices reach beyond terrestrial significance and into the ethereal, ethereal realm. This system of safe harbors acts as a group or universal mind within our galaxy connecting information seamlessly and in instantly with other beings. The master teachers call this phenomenon the galactic web. So as I said, there is one in Colorado and I'm going to read to you, which I did not read this before I left for this trip. So, um, as I got home and was trying to understand deeper knowledge of why we were being in Colorado and why it was important to connect with that golden city, this is what came through. In the I Am America teachings, the Western door is also known as the yellow door. It is the path of wisdom and is sometimes referred to as the philosopher's stone. It is also said to be the path of adeptship and perfection, and is the conclusion of the four initiatory pathways before entering into the star of knowledge. Western doors are good locations for universities and schools of higher learning and spiritual knowledge. The master teachers claim that in the new times, governmental activities should be located within the energies of the Western doors. So the one in Colorado is pronounced Klima. In the fifth golden city in the United States and its energies were complete in 2000 AD, the master teachers, Serapis Bay, holds the spiritual focus of con continuity, balance, and harmony. In this vortex, which is said to identify with the Native American culture, Klima is derived from the word chem, a name for Egypt used thousands of years ago. Klima is also an ancient name for the Pallades, the seven stars clustered in the Taurus constellation, the seven sisters, and the Taurian bowl known as the Apis or the Serapis are famous in the sacred lore of the Native Americans and early Egyptians. Klima is prophesied to become the capstone of the golden cities of America. The final of the five golden city vortices in the United States, Klima is prophesied to hold the new capital move from Washington, D.C. after the changes. It is also prophesied that many visionaries and leaders of the new timelines will live in this area. Quetzalcoatl, the Mayan and Aztec god of peace, is said to have educated his people in the arts of government. America is derived from the Peruvian name of Quetzalcoatl, Amaru, 
or Amaruka, which means land of plumed serpent. The ray force of Klima is the white ray of purity, which is associated with the Archangel Gabriel. The spiritual sound of Klima is the same as Malta's spiritual sound for Om Iandra and invokes a blessing to bring Mother Earth and all of her inhabitants into balance. When said in this vortex, the apex is located near Cope, Colorado. So my point of wanting to share this book with you guys and, and understand that clearly <laughs> there's a reason that I was brought to those lands and to see it in writing as the Archangel Gabriel makes me just that much more secure in this knowing. Another thing that happened right before um, I left, the day before I left for this trip, is I was doing a healing uh, with some with one of you. <laughs> and it turned out that 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 she was is moving to Colorado and I had propped up my computer on my chair uh, and I put two books underneath the computer and one was this um, I am America Atlas and the other was Angelic Pearls 144 and as we were doing the healing I asked her about both books and she of course had both and then we talked about Colorado and I I knew that she was this kind of like assurance in of the energy that is meant to move to Colorado as she's planning to do. And because she already had the books, I was like, did you read about the, the Colorado Golden City? And she said, no. And I said, well, I think this is a, a, a very clear indication that you're supposed to understand it. <laughs> so um this book is very interesting. I haven't read it cover to cover. I'm not saying that this is happening in our lifetime, but I do believe that these energies are already there. And it is an interesting thing to see. Like, are you close to a golden city? Are you already there? Are you already living and breathing in this new reality? And, you know, all of this is like nothing happens out of coincidence. So I love to bring in all the pieces to try to like, paint the picture of how to start communing with the everyday normal things because they all are coded with the things that you need to move forward in your ascension. So I hope this is helpful as always, and I love you.